welcome. Hi. Hi, everybody. Happy summer. Happy summer. Happy pride. Happy yeah. everything. Happiness begins, one would say. One would say. <laughs> one would. I'm always chasing happiness. Yes. Mm. Um, can we talk about how happiness began for us this week? Which is that this is the first podcast that we are recording in full since we launched the podcast. That's true. And it's such it's such an amazing moment. And um, happiness definitely began for me. <laughs> I would say the Jonas Brothers inspired us to record in full. I think they did. They were like, we were like, if they could do it, we can do it. If Nick Jonas's goal in life is to smile again, so is mine. So is ours. Oh, well, welcome to the B-Sides. Hopefully at this point, maybe you know that the B-Sides is a podcast for lefties who love pop music. If you want to see universal healthcare in our time and you want to talk about the new Jonas Brothers album, if both these things relate to you, then welcome to the B-Sides. We're so glad you're here. Make sure you're subscribed. Smash that subscribe button, Smash. please. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. Um, and we're just so happy. Last night, we um, in recording time, not in when you all are listening to this time, we had our launch party in D.C. with a karaoke night that was just endless fun. It was awesome. We did. <laughs> and we'd like you all to know that Hannah and I sang You Remind Me by Nickelback. I'm not sure if I'd like everybody to know that, but you love it. <laughs> to counter that, I loved that. To counter that, we so sang good. "Not Ready to Make Nice" by the Dixie Chicks. I'm Great karaoke nice. song. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually been my karaoke, my go-to karaoke song for for a long time. And Mimi and I have a great the history great memories now. Yeah. of singing. That I did song. tell you a quick story about that song. I downloaded that song on LimeWire. Like whatever, like 10 or so years ago. And the song was a bad download and it cut the middle of the bridge like into another part of the song. And that's how I thought the song went for like oh, no. a year or two until I heard it in full and was like, what? This is so much better. Oh, It'd be like, wow. It's not right. No. It'd be like something like ready to some like run thing and then it would cut. Anyway. You know, it says a lot about the song that without, with a whole chunk of it missing, you still liked it and oh listened God, to it. Repeat. And that's how good that song is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was just awesome. So if if you're new to the B-sides, this is what we're going to do every episode. We start with the A-sides, which is the um, top headlines, um, the things that are going on that people are talking about that we want to weigh in on. And then we go a deep dive into a B-sides, which is something underrated or under-talked about that we want to really dive deep into. Um, then we close out with the U-sides, which is just a little bit of sharing what you all have shared with us um, since the last episode. And then we close out. That's what we do every episode. And we always love to hear your feedback and your thoughts and your hopes and dreams. Today, what we're going to talk about most is um, songs that almost went to other artists. So like if you didn't know that Umbrella almost went to Britney Spears or that We Can't Stop was written with Rihanna in mind, then stay tuned. We got some we got some good hypothesizing to and do with you all. Before we even get to that, if you want to talk about yeah. the Jonas Brothers, stay stay here. That. Let's get into the A sides folks. Today it's all about the Jonas Brothers. Please be mine. That was so good, Becky. Thank you. I think you should record a cover of that and send it to them and they'll repost it because they're going to love it. They have nothing else going on. So I think that that would work. 
Um, okay, so we have a lot of Jonas Brothers content because they have released their album, Happiness Begins, the first album with Kevin in the middle of the album cover. I would say that's the most monumental part of it. And um, they came out with an entire documentary, which, um, as we know, the the process of going through the documentary was what inspired them to come back together because they did a lot of the healing that they needed to do. And they were like, there's something good here. Let's come back together. One note before we dive into the Jonas yeah. Brothers and the documentary, Demi Lovato has been erased from the Jonas Brother history. They talk about Camp Rock. She's not mentioned. They talk about Miley Cyrus. Demi is not mentioned. Nope. Demi erasure. Yeah. I'm okay with Selena being erased because that was a blip in Nick's life, but Demi was not a blip. I know. She was a huge – she was like Nick Jonas's best friend. Yeah. I mean, it, it is question mark. Yeah. It also made me think about how she also released a YouTube doc too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Simply complicated. Mm-hmm. We watched that together, Becky. I know. That was fun. I mean, I feel like Happiness Begins I loved because I just – I love them and I just want to talk about them all the time and I want them to talk to me all the time. And I feel like it was nice to, like, see their perspective on the different things that happened. But there is a lot of, you know, and this is anybody who does this. Like, when when you create a documentary about yourself for public consumption, you have a message you want to stick to. And they they stuck to that message. Oh, yeah, they did. Also, where is – I know they gave us a few seconds of um, Rob, their manager. Rob, yeah. Okay, they didn't, like, tell us where he's at today. They just, like, gave us the two – he, like, snipped to him being, like, that was the busiest time of my life. And I'm, like, Rob, <laughs> like, what's going on with you? Where's Big Rob? Yeah. Mimi, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I watched it today. Yes. I never cared about the Jonas Brothers that much. Welcome. And now so I'm beginning to understand. And I was thinking a lot about, like – I don't know. I read this one Vulture article once that said recently that said boy bands are time bombs. Oh, my God. And I thought that was really interesting and very true. But then obviously there's a whole other layer that complicates that when the boy band consists of brothers and not people who meet uh, on the job or something like that. Yeah. People who literally grew up together in the same house yeah and the same family i didn't actually i mean i guess maybe it was at one point is that i forgot about all the broadway that nick and joe had done prior and like it was very clear their parents like had pushed this yeah idea on them and in the documentary it's very much all about how it was like from them as individuals and I don't doubt that I've, I I heard a great episode, uh, great interview with Nick on And The Writer Is which is a great songwriting podcast that I actually am probably going to reference a lot today um, in the B-sides because like songwriting, a lot of the things I've learned about songwriting, I've learned from this great um, podcast hosted by Ross Golan who's a songwriter and Nick talked about like he definitely had that drive internally, you know, but but yeah, I mean, your parents got to be pretty involved. And one of the critiques that I've seen of the um, documentary is that one of the things that they kind of um, gloss over is them being kicked out of the church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that one of the reasons that they were kicked out of the church was not just, you know, in the in the movie, they talk about how their music was a little bit too risque for, you know, teenagers. And um, you know, they were singing about girls, which people didn't appreciate. And that's true. And that some people are saying one of the things that was really frustrating for the church members is that their 
their um, like, you know, faith leader was focused on getting his sons famous and was not mm-hmm. caring about the church. And like, that's actually what got them kicked out and who I don't really you know. I wasn't there. I can't, I can't speak to it, but that's a, seems like that's legitimate yeah. criticism. Yeah. That's not too far of a, yeah. a jump. Yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. think? Yeah. I mean, but it made me want to hug Kevin. Something it I also, never wanted. I know it was like, <laughs> me too. and I actually feel like, uh, Sorry, I was going to say Becky. that like, though they made like Kevin's life look like shit, but like Kevin has like a huge house, like whatever, like was like playing with his children. Like, I was like, all right, this is a stretch. You're doing great, Kev. They, on his, on his like childhood editing, they like totally phoned it in a little bit because they were like, (laughs) they were, you know, he's like, I never really fit in with anyone. I couldn't really connect. And they show him like older as a moody teenager, already like one of the Jonas brothers. And then he's like, so I did commercials. And then they show him younger again yeah. doing commercials. And I'm like, wait, what? So we're going. I was noticing that. It was just. And then it was like, I did feel bad for him, too, even though his life is totally fine. And But even the things that are sort of like good are things that are sort of thrown back at him. Like yeah. when Joe was like, you fell in love early. So, right. so fuck yeah. you're, you're out of the click. And now I understand it. But it was like kind of still. And he's the only one that's, like, led the more traditional life, the life that whatever the pastor's son should, like, marry this, I assume. I mean, I'm not sure what her religion is, but I I assume that she's probably Christian and, like, live this sort of, like, quote-unquote traditional. Yeah, he dove right in. I mean, I feel like, you know, one of the things that they really talked a lot about that I thought was very sweet and I loved, loved hearing about was how much they they wrote the songs mm-hmm. together and how like they really wanted to be like a you know a rocker band and I wish that they hadn't forgotten the fact that they kind of started as a busted cover band that year 3000 was a cover mm-hmm. that's always when I get frustrated with pieces of media like this where they're trying to share a narrative and they leave out something that feels really important that I actually don't think would have countered that narrative. So it just feels shady. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're talking about how our song was so big all of a sudden we didn't even know we can't, we didn't realize how big it had gotten. And I wish that they had said anything like, and this was a cover. So we could only imagine how much bigger it would have been if it was our own song or it felt so good. And it was a cover and how much more proud I was, you know, I was, yeah. I was chasing that feeling with my own music, any mention that year 3000 was a cover because the year 3000 was really like, I would say kind of the crux of that, of this documentary. It was kind of like everything before year 3000 and everything after. Mm -hmm. And to not even name that it was a cover was That's a really amazing point. It was weird. That's a really (laughs) amazing point. And you have to wonder why they, why either that was, right. Right. Why would they do that? And it doesn't go again. It can, it can amplify the narrative. Yeah. That's dumb. The other thing I thought was sweet um, was how, like, at the end, all of a sudden it's like, and the women are here. It was a little bit, like, a little bit too heteronormative goals, like, hashtag. Well, they didn't really mention Sophie. They, I mean, Joe talked a little bit about her, but barely. But, yeah, all. We got a Nick and Priyanka montage. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? This is, like, I don't know. It felt a little too forced for me. It was pretty, like, I, I was kind of glad that they weren't in more because I feel like the women are have, are becoming this whole thing that I feel like it's a little bit much. But I it was it was sweet. But it was a little forced. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like, and then I grew up and I learned it was like who I was. It was like we descended. And then Done. I. Check. Right. 
girls. Well, I wish, I wish that they had they talked about the purity rings, and I wish they had connected like that to then like the lives they have now. Because I don't know, I think Kevin might have been the only one that stayed a virgin until he got married. You gotta wonder. Hmm. When did they take off the rings? No, Joe and Nick absolutely. They've talked about this in other um, interviews, and I probably should know it more than I do. But they uh, in carpool karaoke. They're pretty funny, and they like yeah. pretty candidly mm. about that. So, if anybody's curious about that more, uh, look up their carpool karaoke because Joe makes a funny comment, being like, "Yeah," and I mean, like, then I took the purity ring off, like, kind of, you know. Speaking yeah. of carpool karaoke, we do love their music, and music. I have to say, this album, Kisses, Chef's Kiss, yeah, Chef's Kiss. I had low expectations, and they exceeded. I granted, I had low expectations. But yeah. I'm jamming. You don't like it? No, I really do. Oh. I really do. Um, Becky, I think the two of us, Strangers is our favorite. Strangers. I also love Roller Coaster. Um, Roller Coaster. I was just listening to While Walking My Dog. I was getting into, hold on, I think it's Comeback. Uh-huh, that's a good one. Um, I was misled because, honestly, Sucker and Cool weren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, fuck. This is growing on me. It is every day. Every time I listen, it's more and more. But you're right. They 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 pulled a me. Yeah. And they're releasing their worst. To start. I think because I thought it would be the most. It's like the most. You would listen to like Sucker or Cool on a commercial. I do think Strangers and a few other songs sound like One Direction. The way that the the way that the harmonies are granted it's three instead of five, four, but and like there's like deep harmonized ballads and they build really high and then it's like oh this is so nice like same <laughs> kind of feeling that I get when I listen to One Direction. Okay, without shitting on them too much because I do like this album, mm-hmm. I think it's good. I actually noticed a few times how much certain songs sounded like other songs. And I wrote down a few of them because it happened a lot. And I think it's just kind of a reminder that they came from pop rock. They didn't mean to be pop. And so they're, this is their first pop album. And it sounds like a first pop album. Yeah. Of course, a first pop album where you have all the greatest hit makers behind you. And that's why it's good. But like, okay. I wrote that it used to be actually sounded like Post Malone to me a little bit. There's a little bit of Post Malone vibes um love her there's there's um the beginning of the chorus sounds like love yourself mm. by justin Bieber. i haven't listened to that one enough i gotta listen to it there's a little bit of that vibe i just want to pause one second i just got an alert on my uh, computer that joe jonas reacts to taylor swift and it's a recommended youtube video for me so um i would like to watch that youtube video actually i'll open it and save it as a dad. We, don't, we, can, we can edit this out continue go on <laughs> <laughs> um i wrote that strangers <laughs> i wrote strangers sounds like something else it sounds like a one direction song but maybe it sounds like one direction and roller coaster which i like a lot sounds like kind of like a lumineers mm. song or something so it's it's good it's all good i just i kind of think they sound but like real other talk songs. when they were out 10 15 years ago they were never that good no, like correct. They were never that good. I thought that Nick Jonas was really good on his own, which I know is a controversial hot take based on that documentary. But Jealous, I know. I know. such but a good song. Is. Chainsaw is Chainsaw. an incredible and chains and, and levels. Yeah. yeah, he's so 
He's so good. He's the most talented one, and that's clearly shown in that documentary, even if that's not what you want, they want you to take away from it. It was hard to watch Joe talk about how he failed miserably. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, I forgot that you even did this. Yeah. Yeah. And like DNC DNCE is like Do we know bad. what them? Are they on a hiatus now? Are they done? I think they broke up because Joe Jonas was like, I'm back to make money with my brothers. Because they're so annoying. They yeah. So annoying. Cake by the ocean is like meant for a car commercial and that's what yeah. it ended up being. I really liked how they framed it as like Joe got to be his like wild and free self Self. in that group because that is what I loved and love about Joe. It's like why he's always my favorite is how silly he is. And I'm glad that he was a part of something like that. I believe and Strangers were my favorite ones because their vocals have always kind of when they're way over the top, like it's always kind of annoyed me. And those songs are more like minimalist and have some sort of like 80s R&B and also like simmery rock anthem kind of sounds. So those are the ones that I like. I'm here for it. I like a Jonas Brothers song times two. Ugh, I like two. Can we all just like take a moment to appreciate how heartbreaking it would have been if this album was really bad? We would have been so sad. So I just don't want to take it for granted. I'm so happy. Me too. Okay. Great A-sides, everybody. I love you, Nick. I love you, Joe. And Kevin now. <laughs> I know. I'd say. Okay. Kevin. Let's get to the B-sides. Okay, what if some of the songs that we know so well that we associate with one artist and one artist only were given to another artist? What would that world be like? We're gonna we're going to wildly irresponsibly speculate extemporaneously today um, and think about uh, these songs. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through some songs one by one talk about what the song did for the artist who got that song and then what it would have done for the artist that it was intended for and then play around with some counterfactuals a little bit we love counterfactuals we love them we love them in history we employ them some of us do all the Uh time and we love them in music too and i love that you chose this topic because counterfactuals are so interesting they're so useful they make us think about these alternate realities as We'll call them and speculate about. Um, They help us recognize that the music landscape as we know it wasn't promised, wasn't set in stone, Mm. and that there were and are always other plans and possibilities. And we can sort of discuss that in terms of the utility of that in pop music. Um, Because it's interesting to think about all of these songs that we're going to talk about and how they relate to particular artist discographies Mm -hmm. and images and also what they reveal about the relationship between artists who would have had them who does have them um or like a venn diagram but you know i love a venn diagram a venn diagram between the artists um and we can talk about if some are more illuminating than others right why do some carry more weight than others i was really excited about this topic i love an alternative universe yeah (laughs) i love speculating where there's no way to say you're wrong all right exactly no consequences yeah so okay before we dive in let's just like do a quick like how songwriting works in pop music because it's actually much more complicated than we're going to make it sound today and we're going to be super reductive but that's just because we assume that people understand these things are more complicated so yes a lot of artists write 
parts of or all of their songs. And a lot of songwriters, very successful songwriters, will um, often in teams, often in groups, share um, songs and shop them around with a number of artists um, as they try to, to land on some album or as some single. And again, I'll plug And The Writer Is, which is a great, great uh, podcast that really dives into the lives of these songwriters and who they shop around for. So there's no value judgment for the rest of this podcast. We're not putting any value judgment on Rihanna, Brittany, Miley, Ariana for getting shopped songs. It's the way that life works. Um, And it is very cool when there are songs that are by the artist that sings them. It's very wonderful. But should we start with We Can't Stop? Yeah. Okay. Mind blown that this song was supposed to be given to Rihanna. Right? So what did it do for Miley Cyrus. I mean, this almost doesn't need to be said so much that it absolutely does need to be said. Um, this was her moment to come out with her album, Bangers, as as a party girl, right? There's like explicit, explicit references to partying. There's like a hip hop beat. Um, Mike Will Made It, right? Says, says his name right there, right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he produces this hip hop moment for her that lasts quite a long time. And even her most recent EP is still kind of like of this. Moment it rebrands her. her. It rebrands her. This was the song that she chose to not only be like on her album or a single, but it was her. She stopped her being moment. the Disney princess. Yeah. Yeah. Some might say that she took this era a little too far in a lot of ways. She started appropriating. She just appropriated over and over she again. appropriated the shit out of something. Uh, some would say album. she couldn't stop appropriating. <laughs> she couldn't stop, even when she should have stopped. Oh man, I she mean, can't stop. She can't. She can't stop, and she still can't stop. Actually. She she told you she can't stop. She did make it very clear. Didn't You're right, she? Becky. We should have listened. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair. what should I? Expect? She warned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was this was a really. Um, interesting and difficult time to reckon with that I think she still has not reckoned with. And I keep expecting her to because she is not dumb and she's not a baby anymore. So she should take a little bit more of responsibility, um, especially for like, you know, the lyric to, in the song that then is referenced in the music video, like to my homegirls here with the big butts shaking it like we had a strip club. Like the whole song was not written for a white girl in mind. Mm-hmm. She knew that. And the music video makes that very clear. She uses black women as props in that music video. Like, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about appropriation in um, pop music, we have to um, draw connections for people who might not be able to see that explicitly. There's no need to draw any connections here. People, if you want to talk about using black women as props, you can literally just pull up an image search of this music video and you see it. They're Mm -hmm. literally there as props right there mm-hmm. for the expo- for the exploitation so incredibly irresponsible she still hasn't reckoned with it and the fact that you know after a quick stint with miley cyrus and her dead pets she she could go back to her country roots as everybody called them i mean that, that's a topic for another another podcast and actually we wrote a b-sides newsletter she can go back to her old year. town roads <laughs> <laughs> so right, exactly so that's what it did for miley what would it have done for rihanna what do you guys think it would have done for rihanna I think it would have been a Rihanna not song. It would have been a Rihanna song. Yeah, not yeah. much. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been good. I mean, song? I mean, like, I mean yeah. that in the best way that like it would have been a Rihanna song. Yeah, yeah. I think it fits in with her discography. Yeah, like I think it fits. I think that was around. That must have been after Unapologetic. 
that album. Um, hmm. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. I think I think it was maybe a year after, but I'm right. So it would have been in between of her, uh, her albums, which maybe means it would have ended up on it, it on anti, which I don't think it would have fit on anti actually. No, so wouldn't. maybe it doesn't fit into her discography as well as I think it does. Yeah, I mean, I think that like Rihanna actually. This is going to come back if we get to another Rihanna song. Rihanna talks about partying in very specific ways in her songs. Actually, you'll notice like the more you think about it. Although she like is a, you know, she, she enjoys life and shares that. Um, she is very specific on how she talks about partying. And this song is like a little reductive. And I think that's probably why she passed. It's weird. This song came out in 2013, by the way. And so Unapologetic came out in 2012. Yeah. And Ante came out in 2016. Yeah, she had a really long gap. She hasn't come out anything new recently anyway either. So yes. Yeah. Why does she make us live through this? So it's because she's making skincare now. So yeah, I mean, I love I, I, and lingerie. Um, okay. So in this alternate reality, like if this song was given to Rihanna, I think Miley would definitely have still gone down this road. Like she wanted something just like this. She would have found something. She might have even found a worse way to do it. She might have even gotten more appropriative. So in some ways, maybe this was we're a little bit blessed. Maybe she would have like gone off of the deep end even even more and what makes you as someone who's more of an expert on Miley than I am what what makes you so so sure sure of that that she would have done something yeah because can't be tamed was her 2010 Mm -hmm. Becky does that sound right 2010 I think a little later I was gonna say is that maybe it's what you you were gonna say is that she really wanted to uh, shed her Disney Channel image yes and and it's it's so sad because it's so predictable, right? Like so many Disney stars do this. So she wanted to go in that direction, and um, I think she also wanted to do that not in just like a I'm a party girl girl way, but in a I am part of Black culture way. Like I think can't that, be tamed was 2010. Can't be tamed was 2010. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can't be tamed was her being like I can't be tamed, as you can uh, surmise by the title um and was more just kind of about like sexuality a little bit like just a a worse version of slave for you um and then she was just she found uh she found i think her own kind of freedom and liberation in blackness um and i think she would have found a hip-hop song for herself that she wanted to go to at that time i think so too do you think so mimi looks like she's thinking very hard I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not saying she wouldn't. I think that the fact that she leaned into it so hard means she probably would. I'm just looking for more like markers of that along the way, aside from like, she wanted to do that. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. Also, I think she's big enough of a celebrity at the time that she could have done whatever she wanted and someone would have given her the song or the record deal. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, uh, there are some really good songs on Bangers, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. F.U., that's a great song. One of them's F and the other's you. Um, okay, should we move on to our next song? What is it? What if Dangerous Woman was given to Carrie Underwood? Crazy. Wild, right? 
So Dangerous Woman was written um, by the host of And the Writer Is um, with not a specific artist in mind, but he was, this is what I understand. Um, I hope I'm getting this right. But that he was thinking someone like Carrie Underwood would have um, done a great job with it. So let's talk about what it did for Ariana. I mean, this did everything for Ariana. It totally... And everything right this was like her identity for however long this whole period she named her album she named her tour she did her merch she was the dangerous woman this song was her i mean it cemented her as like a pop ballad queen um you know not everybody can pull off a ballad that also makes you want to jam that's like a very you know hard line um and it's totally fire. It's it's amazing. It was like her putting her stake in the ground that um, uh, she is who she is. So it's not a rebrand the way that We Can't Stop was a rebrand. It was her being like, I've actually always been growing into this person that mm-hmm. I am right now. And this is who I am right now. Um, yeah, yeah. And listen to my deep, beautiful voice. Oh, my goodness. The song just showcases what an incredible artist she is. She's She's amazing. And she uses music so well in this song. She yeah. it's a great job. Um, what would what would it have been like for Carrie Underwood? I think she would have killed it. I think she would have killed it, but then it what it would have been for Carrie Underwood is that it wouldn't have been for Ariana Grande. Yeah. And that is the tragedy of it it going tragedy. to Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Does Carrie Underwood have the range that Ariana Grande has? I don't know about the high parts. I don't know how she would have done that. I think so, but I don't like. I don't know the facts actually. Yeah. Um, the song that um, I was thinking that this was like is a really good Carrie Underwood song called "Blown Away." it would be like in that i don't know that it's really it's it's delightful it's It's really good it just would have been a very different tenor very different it would have been darker Mm -hmm. yeah and in this alternate reality i actually think it would have been a tragedy to not have dangerous woman and i actually don't think much would have changed though like i think ariana would have still found something like this and by like this i mean shows off her vocal abilities is a pop ballad that is radio friendly and is like complicated enough that it's like interesting and keeps you wanting to listen, but also is familiar enough that you know what to, what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think she would have found something like this. Well, this leads to the question. If she didn't have dangerous woman, would she have ever had into you? I think so. Yeah. I had to think about it. I think into you then would have replaced dangerous woman. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It would have just been that. Yeah, I think she wanted. I think she would have found another like slower, deeper jam. I just maybe it's just like I feel this was so inevitable. Like I just feel like this era, no matter what it looked like, no matter if there were you know bunny ears or not, it just feels inevitable to me. And that's what's so helpful about discussing these things is like you can sort of scale, yeah, how inevitable you think something is, you know, based on it. And I I would agree with that. I wonder this could have been a good thing. For yeah. Carrie Underwood. Now I'm just yeah. thinking about Carrie Underwood and what could have been for her career. I know. I know. I wonder if she, I think she passed on it is my understanding. I guess she wakes know. up every day regretting that choice, I hear. I, yes, that's word on the street, isn't it? That's uh, what people have told me in my DMs. So We did, we did Dangerous Woman at karaoke last night. That was awesome. 
It's really fun. Oh, the last time the chorus dropped. So good. It's amazing. So good. Okay, next song. How Will I Know? Originally meant for Janet Jackson. Okay, so Mimi, what did it do for Whitney? It's an amazing song. Okay. (laughs) Whitney Houston. R.I.P. Luckily. R.I.P. Whitney Houston. We love you. Luckily. Got this song. Got this song. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this was her second number one single. Okay. After Saving All My Love For You, which is a beautiful song. Yeah. But it is a ballad. And this was her first sort of like pop crossover song, not just an R&B track, not just a ballad. Um, And it was also in the mid 80s, like Mm -hmm. squarely in the middle of the Reagan administration (laughs) when when African-American artists are trying and succeeding at pushing into MTV, as we talked about, pushing into the major airways. And this song did that for her and did that for all the people who followed her. It's a it's a pop crossover and it paved the way for a lot of a lot of other iconic hits of hers. Like I want to dance with somebody mm-hmm. uh, on her her following album. Um, and it's just an amazing song. It's so suited it's to so her. Good. The music video is great. And, and so her. And so her. And it's so formative for um the best of who she was as an, as an artist and it's so central to her legacy and i'm so glad that we we have this yeah. song for her and and all of its offshoots and years to come have you listened as i'm sure you have has everybody listening right now listened to the acapella version which you yes. can find on spotify and is amazing and if you haven't listened to it it's just it's just her vocals and i mean it will just blow your mind she's so talented Looks into my eyes, takes me to the clouds above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would it have done for Janet Jackson? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, no shade to Janet, you know, but I'm, I am glad she passed on it. Yeah. I just don't, I just can't see a world in which her voice is as good or she does as much with it as Whitney yeah. was able to do. Um, and of course she's sort of like overshadowed by her brother, but it would have really just been another like Jacksonian, (laughs) a la the Jackson family, not Andrew Jackson. Um, another Jacksonian hit of the 80s. Right. Not the 1880s. I'm not not sure that anyone, right. I'm not sure that anyone could parse that it's not the 1820s unless Uh I specifically said that. So it's good that I did. Um, and I was like. When I was thinking about this, I was like, what would it what would it have done for her is sort of like a selfish thing to me because I'm thinking about I don't know, it wouldn't have punctuated her career or pop music mm. in the same way that it did for Whitney. And it would have just sort of gotten lost in the mix, I think, of another Jackson's it would have sounded so different, yeah. I think. It would have been good. It just would have been yeah. lost. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, you know, we would still potentially all know it now, but it just wouldn't have been. Do you think it needed to be for a, an upcoming artist? Like not to diminish how, how Whitney Whitney is, mm-hmm. but like, do you think there was something special about it being like the second and the first bop 
after a ballad for mm-hmm. someone, whoever that person was that made it like so important. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's asking an age old question and the range is so she's able to show off her range yeah. in such an amazing way. And all of the components of the song allow her to really showcase all of her talents. And that's so important to be able to do that when you have those talents yeah, because it really sets you apart. Um, and it's amazing that she did that. And we know that black artists have had to be way more talented to yeah. get where they are yeah. than other counterparts. Um, so I, I think that's, that's huge yeah. for her. Yeah. And uh. she, and she couldn't, you know, she wasn't part of a, musical dynasty family in the same way so so as much as we love janet and we do we do we are very grateful that this went to whitney (laughs) yes thank you janet for passing thank you janet um let's do the next one quickly because there's actually not that much to say but i do think it's interesting Mm -hmm. telephone by lady gaga and beyonce this was always going to be lady gaga because she wrote it but she shopped it to britney Spears, to be clear, and they did a demo together, and you can find it on YouTube. No, I'm not, not surprised. It's not good. Um, I, you know, it would have. I think it would have been good. I think this was like at a time when like Lady Gaga was putting out hit after hit and like would have done a great job. But it was also at a time when when Britney was still like in between a lot of parts of her life, mm-hmm. and I think I think she would have phoned it in. Like she would not have contributed to the kind of music video that Lady Gaga wanted, which was maybe some could argue now a little bit much, but you know, not actually, it was, I just rewatched it and I was like, wow, I forgot how much happens in this goddamn music video. But that's Lady Gaga though. It's Lady Gaga. It's amazing. Um, I would say that the, so what it did for Lady Gaga and what it did for Beyonce, because Beyonce is the person who got it is I think it's fun to me that Beyonce was the featured rapper on the song. It was kind of like the way that a lot of pop music exists now, but especially you know, even 10 years ago or nine years, eight years ago, whatever this was that like a lot of pop songs like end with a, with a, with a hip hop feature. And so Beyonce does that feature, but then she comes in as the vocalist on the, on the subsequent choruses, Mm -hmm. which is just like awesome. And I think it's really, she just like got to be a little silly and weird, which is a fun side of Beyonce that we don't get to see from her that often. And we'll now get into the like alternate reality. If this had gone to Britney, I, I don't think she would have rose to the occasion for this. Um, and in this alternate reality, we would have not had the iconic, I should have left my phone at home because this is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Calling an echo I love that. That's so good. It is a really good song. I mean, Becky, do you think this would have worked on Circus? No, I, I think Circus was a trash album and it would have been <laughs> lost. Yeah, it would have been lost. I, I don't know if I would call it trash. I did see the circus concert. I mean, like when I think of Britney Spears, I'm not like, oh, circus, my favorite album. Yeah, not, I mean, it, it just wouldn't. She wouldn't have been able to give it what it needed. Do you think there is someone out there who's like, circus is the best Britney Spears album? Please, I, I will die. DM me. Let's have a nice debate about it. Please. 
Um, listen to the B-sides at gmail.com. Subject line, Circus is the best album. If that's how you feel, we'll, we'll let everybody know. Assert that Circus is the best Britney Spears album <laughs> challenge. <laughs> okay, so let's do three more. Um, Umbrella was originally, to continue on this line, was originally shopped to Britney. And I think what it did for Rihanna was, I mean, this, okay, Becky, we were at camp together this summer yeah. and we were in photography and in photography class, they played Q102, the hit music station of Southern New Jersey and Philadelphia and Umbrella was time. constantly. I associate that with dark rooms so much. So this, I mean, that was like her first Grammy. This was, you know, this was like levels of fame that had never, ever been reached for her in the past um I think she I think she nailed it yeah um I liked music of the sun and and other things before that um and this moved her not fully away from the Caribbean musical influences yeah um that she began with but certainly in new directions toward incorporating pop and incorporating dance and R&B yeah and doing it very elegantly as she does um and something that that were that she's now very well known for. So mm-hmm. it became a touchstone for her. And for me personally, the late aughts top 40 yeah. landscape. Yeah. For real. Um, I did also say that our lives are divided into the times before we spoke and thought in terms of the a, a, a and after, and Charlotte and I used to do that all the time to each other. I think it took our friendship to a new level. Yeah. It's a, it matters. It matters. Um, Ugh. So it's a great song. And I remember this song coming out and, and it being everywhere, as you guys are saying. Yeah. Um, and it just being, it just taking her to a new level that she's continued on ever since. Yeah. Like this song was hugely important for her, I think. And what it would have done for Britney, I don't think Britney could have pulled this off. No. It's sort of like we were talking about before. Yeah. She just wasn't in the right place no. for it in 2007. now. Mm-hmm. We're going backwards. Yeah. Um, she had enough songs on Blackout yep. already. And it just... She, it just wasn't it just wasn't the right the yeah. right fit so there was something I was thinking about this this morning and I was like there was something so Rihanna and how she still does this so well about the the three words took an oath the oh, way she's like yeah. took an oath I'ma stick it like Britney no. could not have hit that mm-hmm. even just things simple it took an oath I'ma stick it out to like Britney yeah. would have just been like gliding through it yeah with all the love no, I'm sorry I've been right. unnecessarily mean to Britney I just I think Rihanna's a better performer at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to a song that almost went to Rihanna. Rihanna, again, can I just note, she is getting shopped a ton she's of songs. Yeah. So no wonder she's yes. declining. If you think about the amount of songs she's getting shopped, she yeah. has to weigh like, oh, I'm going to yeah. pick Umbrella instead of Chandelier. And speaking of Chandelier, written by Sia. So she was a songwriter. She had, she had been in a band. She's a songwriter. She has written tons of songs that we know for Christina Aguilera, for she, like, you know, um, for his choruses on Flo Rida songs, for Celine Dion, for Carly Rae, for David Guetta, for Beyonce. So she's been an artist, but she hasn't been on this huge level until Chandelier, which we heard uh, Sia has talked about this in the past as being something that she tried to get other people to sing and no one wanted it. And she was like, this is really important to me. I want to put this out in the world. And what it did for her was it just totally catapulted her and gave people a chance to fully appreciate her own vocal and songwriting abilities. And for people to get to know her, like she's a very, very private person, obviously, as we know by her wig, which covers her face. But this song is, 
This song is brilliant because it masquerades as a party ballad, but it's a fun song. It seems like it's fun and it's about like, you know, drinking and having a good time, but it's actually about really intense themes. It's very upsetting. Um, I mean, it's about addiction. It's a really personal, really intense song for someone to come out with um, as their like debut as uh, debuting, not for the first time in the world, but you know, on this level that Chandelier was for Sia. So what I think it would have done for Rihanna, thinking about this counter universe, I mean, this song is about addiction, right? So this song actually could, in in the way that Diamonds works so well for Rihanna, I could see Rihanna mm-hmm. nailing this song. Like I could, I could hear her voice on it and doing such a good job, but it's a really personal story, you know? And if Rihanna can't relate to it, or if she's, this is not her story, then that's that. Um, and what's interesting to me, kind of going back to what you were talking about at the top of this with We Can't Stop, is that We Can't Stop and Chandelier are just about these, about partying, these different aspects of what partying means. And it really makes you think about how Rihanna does and does not discuss partying in her songs in a lot of ways. She keeps, she keeps references to like drugs, alcohol, and the darker side of um partying she keeps that at an arm's length or when she does dive into it she does it very intentionally so i'm not surprised she passed on this song and i think in this alternative universe i actually you know a lot of these songs we've talked about so far have talked about inevitabilities like whitney houston as a star inevitable to me i'm actually not sure sia would have been a star without this song i actually i so yeah, I was going to agree, and I'm I'm very glad that she decided to sing this song herself because it gave us Sia, and it gave us all of her great other songs that aren't lesser that are more B sides yeah. but are incredible ballads. Yeah. Okay, last one, and then we'll run through a quick just a uh, list of more fun ones for you all to take home. Since you've been gone, Becky, tell us about this. Yes, since you've been gone, a Kelly Clarkson song um from 2003 which is crazy to think about by the way that that song is from 2003 was originally shopped for pink and hillary duff separately both declined um what this did for for kelly clarkson is that it gave her a bop that was very different from the other songs that we'd known about her so far like we had known breakaway and sort of these like sadder songs and since you've been gone is the song where it's like fuck you like since you've been gone like i can breathe i'm doing great like i don't need you and i think it's cemented kelly clarkson as this like badass like woman in my mind at least um and it's an intense song with a bit of synth and it's different than like a moment like this or other songs sort of showcased her voice um also interesting this song was written by max martin and um dr luke uh-huh yep which i thought was interesting yeah. as an aside and what it could have done for hillary duff is she could never have she sang this never. song she could never. and that's why she passed because she quite literally was like i can't hit those notes she knew it yeah she knew it yeah so I, I think it would have been horrible if Hillary Duff had done it because she's just a bird that already flew away. <laughs> yes. I love Hillary. I love Younger. Yeah. Huge fan. Is, is singing her strength. No. So I do love Fly. Great song. Oh my God. And I love her. I love some of her new songs, Hillary Duff's new stuff that she's doing. But it's not since you've been gone. There's no like deep, like, Ugh, rage, anger that comes out of it, ballads type 
um they're just like fun floofy yeah. not floofy fluffy songs and i do think though pink would have crushed it yes absolutely it's a it's a pink song it makes sense to me as a pink song especially in 2003 when her first album was coming out um you know the song 18 wheeler off no. Uh-oh. oh 18 wheeler off pink's first album misunderstood it's misunderstood yeah and 18 wheeler is similar to since you've been gone and it's like i was run over by an 18 wheeler truck but i still got up like yeah. it's a it's a great jam and the pink this would have fit beautifully yeah. into her but i'm happy album. for kelly clarkson that she got it i think it was good for her Me too. i think the two things going on here are the vocal range that pink mm. and kelly clarkson both have that hillary jeff does not yeah. have and also their personal life experiences and that pink and kelly clarkson both have difficult paths that i don't want to speculate hillary duff has nothing but certainly nothing in yeah. the public eye in the way of what we know about um pink and kelly clarkson especially not what she was talking about in 2003 right yes so Definitely. those things together you know but wow. we we do love hillary we do wow i can't wait for a kelly clarkson pink uh i hope that oh, happens one day it's the best idea i've ever heard um, okay, I want to share with you all some of the other um, songs that we uncovered doing our research for this episode. Toxic was originally meant for Kylie Minogue. Huge, big mistake. Huge <laughs> for Kylie Minogue. Kylie. But not for us. But not for us. Yeah. Um, Rock Your Body for Michael Jackson. That's a lot we should talk about there. Um, R.E.M., the Ariana Grande song, um, was written by Pharrell for Beyonce. And there actually is a demo that you can look up where Beyonce recorded R.E.M., mm-hmm. Um, my house, yes, the one you're thinking of, welcome to my house, was originally thought of as if it was going to be a ballad and that it could be the kind of thing that Adele could have sang. Do you know how many times I was like, what? it can't be that one, it but that it has one. to be that, that one. one, but it can't be That's that one. That's Roll Rider song? Yep. yep. No. Ridiculous. It was going to be different, but, um. Not, how could it be different enough without being a be different fun. song? Yeah. Ow. Yep. <laughs> Real hit me, baby, one more time was shot to TLC. They thought it was too violent. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Shape of You was written by Ed Sheeran, and he was thinking of Rihanna or Little Mix as the um, mm. kinds of artists who would have done that. Um, and Babe is a song that some of you might know because um, Babe is a song by Sugarland. It's a country song that Taylor Swift wrote for Red. Um, that Sugarland then um, released just like a year or two ago and taylor does the background vocals on it mm-hmm. and i could see it fitting on red but not being good enough for the for the rest of the album so i'm not surprised don't you buy the pussycat dolls was shopped to paris hilton huh, speaking so, of another person who can't really sing um right nope nope not at all and Mimi uncovered that the Sturbio was shopped to Chris Brown, which is really who has who has thing. writing credits on it. Also, who has writing credits Gross. On it. Mm-hmm. big big revelation. This is this is a complicated one that we would want to yeah. tread lightly on because it's 2008, which is the year before 2009. It yes, <laughs> <laughs> what a good way of saying that. I mean, I think the takeaways from um, how fun this is is that songwriting is really cool. The story of each song that we love so much is fascinating. Like the processes, um, how they get to where they are and what they do, how they land for different artists, what they do for different artists who get them, what artists are, because they're not just the sum of their songs. They're not just the sum of their discography. There's so much more. And yet songs are everything at the end of the day. Songs are why we're here. Um, and I just, I love to talk about this and to 
speculate wildly. So thank you all. That was the B-Sides. That was fun. Yay. Yay. Okay. And now let's get into the U-Sides. So we're just going to share one piece of listener mail this week for the U-Sides because we have gotten so many amazing messages from all of you that you love this podcast. And that makes us really happy. Um, and you've given us great ideas, great feedback, um, and great suggestions about how we can improve and uh, grow this podcast endeavor with you all. We wanted to read one really wonderful thing that um, our friend Maya um, just uh, posted on her Facebook um, that I just really appreciated. So Maya, this is what part of what she said, um, that for the past two years, the B-Sides has been building an incredible online community of people who love both pop music and lefty politics. We've created email newsletters, playlists, a Facebook group for fans, which Maya says, I've been accused of being too active in several times. Not true, Maya. Not true. Not, Not true. true. A zine, and finally, a podcast. A podcast hosted by three sublime women who aren't ashamed to say that they love Demi Lovato more than they love Bob Dylan. (laughs) We've all been made to feel bad about ourselves for not understanding why Radiohead is such a big deal, usually by men. And we've all struggled to answer the question, so what kind of music are you into? I laughed, I cried, I talked back to the podcast and desperately wished I was part of the conversation. No one answered. And I highly recommend you listen and subscribe. That is what we're here for. Yes. And thank you so much, Maya. (laughs) And everyone. Thank you, Maya. That meant a lot. Um, I think that was, you know, specifically reacting to the first episode um, where we shared kind of our pop music um, origin story. So if you haven't given that a listen yet, please do. Um, So that was the U sides. And that's our show. Thank you all so much. Um, We really appreciate um, being in this podcast journey with you. We would love to continue talking with you. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast um, and rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars. Five stars. Please. 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 Um, And use the word juicy in your review so that we know you listen to this episode. Or you love the circus album. Or tell us you love the circus album in the review. Please. Please. Um, Okay. Follow us on Instagram. We have a lot of fun on Instagram. Lots of polls. Lots of quizzes. um, At listen to the B-sides. On Twitter, we're at the B Sides Pod, and you can join our Facebook group by searching the B Sides, or you can go to bit.ly/slash B Sides FB Group. Okay, great. And then email us with any questions or any ideas at listen to the B Sides at gmail.com. We're going to see you in two Wednesdays. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.